What's up, everybody? Welcome to Leaders of Lifestyle, a podcast all about real estate, sports, and entertainment. Take a deep dive with me into the world of high-end lifestyle and get exposed to the different leaders behind the scenes of it all. So let's get right into it. Welcome, everybody, to Leaders of Lifestyle podcast. I'm your host, Michael Ferraro, and this week, we have a very special guest. We have Randy Herbertson, who's the owner of The Visual Brand. This is very, very special guest this week because uh, media and marketing and the digital space and today in society uh, is, uh, is the thing. And if you're not in it, you're, you're out. So uh, Randy's the owner of The Visual Brand. It's an entrepreneurial agency. Um, it is a, I'll let him talk a little bit more about what exactly the visual brand is because I think it's very, very important. But uh, Randy, thank you so much for being on with us, first of all, today. Great to be here, Michael. Appreciate it. So let me pump you up a little bit. Let me read a little bit about your bio so everybody out there can know about you. And then we'll get into your story. And then we'll talk about the visual brand because I think a lot of people are going to be very, very excited to hear about your, what your company does um, and and what you do so well. So uh, Randy is recognized brand strategist and creative director with over 25 years of marketing and innovative experience. Randy's training and experience includes roles as a corporate facilitator and consumer insight specialist and as an accomplished creative strategist where he has played a key role in a number of product innovations and corporate transformations. Now, that sounds awesome and detailed. Um, and I think that anybody that goes to your website and can you plug your website real quick? Thevisualbrand.com. Uh, super easy, super simple. You go to that website and you check out his website, and you will understand um, what he does and why he is so good and the brands that he works with, uh, and that trust in him um, to do what he does to basically strategize and take him to the moon. But Randy, let's talk a little bit about you. How did you become this top expert in this field? So give us a little bit of backstory on yourself. Thanks, Michael. So yeah, so really our core competency uh, to use the tired marketing word is innovation. So yep. our what we really work with are brands and services that are doing something new. Mm -hmm. So that's really our our core competency, what we do. And we don't specialize in one specific industry uh, purposely because the kind of the things we do kind of carry across the different industries. Obviously, every company does things differently. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, my background really, you know, it's kind of, uh, I, I got degrees in both graphic design and business in school. And so I'm a very right brain, left brain kind of guy. My first yeah. jobs out of school were um, doing new products. I was in marketing for doing new products for some consumer packaged goods. And that evolved into uh, eventually owning my own agency or studio uh, that did that. My first one was in New York City. Um, and then I sold that and started it in Westport long before COVID. I decided to stop commuting to New York City and because uh, I've realized that my clients were all over the world and it didn't really matter where we were located. And so we've uh, been friends of Zoom for long before it became popular last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, and so as part of what we do and what I do is really, again, by right brain and left brain, uh, we're very definitely on the brand strategy side as well as the brand creative side. And so uh, companies will come to us, um, you know, a product sometimes will, will company will, will come to us either starting a brand new company or a brand new idea within a company. 
And sometimes they literally say, we are an apple and we want to be an orange or, you know, we're this and we want, could we be that? And so, so at the very front end, sometimes we do discovery on, can you be that, you know, talking to whatever the constituency audience is to find out if there, there's a way in there. Um, and then if there is, uh, and usually there is some way, um, we will build with them a, a, a brand platform basically that allows them to, to further test that and identify that. And then on the creative end, we'll often bring that to life. And that's why, you know, my team has always been a specialist in industrial design, environmental design, um, things like that to help bring things to life. We're not always bringing a, a product itself to life, but usually, um, uh, other than sometimes, depending on what it is, we will, but uh, uh, more how the whole idea comes to life. Um, and then on the surface end, you know, a lot of times that is how to communicate it. You know, uh, a lot of our clients in that area are in, you know, technical fields like um, alternative energy, um, you know, electric cars, um, even in some innovations in healthcare. And so they'll have very complex ways of talking about things and we help them bring it uh, to life in a more simplified, understandable way. And this is why another whole practice area of ours is actually information design and information design not meaning creating you know wireframes and websites but really infographic information that can be delivered in a meaningful way across different mediums and usually that is digital in one way or the other and so as a result too we do a lot of work with animation and animations at another area that we're uh, quite adept at we do quite a bit of work in um, and so yeah those are the areas that we we do a lot of work in i mean interestingly now particularly in the product world uh, with the rise of Amazon and, and uh, uh, virtual shopping, uh, we've also done quite a bit of work, particularly with packaged goods and how to optimize that experience. Um, because again, there is not just a formula, but there's an evolving formula and how people are attracted to products, um, how they you know, remember products, you know, what's gonna be most meaningful for them to, to see, uh, to make a decision to buy a product. So uh, we get involved in that as well. So like I said, we, you know, just to give you an idea today, we're working on everything from, you know, the largest uh, orthopedic hospital in the world, um, one of the largest power companies in the world to, we're working with a, uh, a beauty, uh, actually a beauty uh, equity fund that actually started by some beauty heavyweights. And we work in the, in the snack and the specialty food area. So it's quite diverse. So being, I think there's a lot of people that hear about the space and understand that there's something that goes on behind the scenes and they're they're open enough now to realize that like when you see branding and you see marketing especially for big companies i mean you you don't necessarily just work with mom and pops you're talking about very big corporate companies that are asking you for expertise um do you from when you started the company and when you created the foundation of like this is what i want to do this is what i want to build this is why i want to help people and this is what we're going to be known for have you seen um, the process change at all uh, as because the platforms of now as far as marketing and branding have changed or is the process the same it's just the platforms that you're finding that are changing it's a really good question so actually we have really built over the course of years I mean you, you never stay in one place so even what we would call our our brand foundation you know, platform that evolves all the time. We learn new things, we add new things. It's very much built off of 
you know, classical best practice marketing, um, but it does evolve. And it actually evolves often even sometimes project to project where we, we figure out a new way to do something, we'll incorporate it into the platform. And the platform itself is designed to be modular. So we don't use all the pieces every single time. Um, so where we, again, we have a, a way of doing that, that that's sort of tried and true, it does continue to evolve. And probably the biggest theorem that hasn't changed is keeping it simple. You know, because this this was really born out originally uh, when I, you know, early on as a brand manager created these tomes that were brand, you know, annual brand plans that no one ever read and there were too many words and it didn't really, they weren't very meaningful. So our goal is to keep them very simple, very tight. Often these things are like 10 or 11 pages long um, and designed to be usable day to day. Because ultimately the goal is that this is sort of the primer for anything you're doing. You know, whether you're evaluating creative work, you're, you're deciding to, you know, brief a new agency to do a new product or whatever that is, that's, that's kind of what it's designed, designed to be. And just to your point on the, on the creative end, of course, that's evolved um, certainly just as digital tools have continued to evolve just in terms of creating things. We can do things today we could never do before. Uh, it's actually sort of funny. We do, like I said, a lot of 3D work. And uh, even though we actually do photography and videography as practice areas as well, a lot of times we'll literally tell a client, you know what, we can do this much better uh, in a rendered form than we can do in a, in a, in a photo shoot, even though we, we do photo shoots as well. Because the truth is yes, because once you have the asset, you can do almost anything with it. Um, so it does continue to evolve. But yet again, we just, it's a constant learning process. Do you, so it sounds like there, there's some core sales elements that go in just as far as communication and visually but the technology that you have now to communicate those messages and and that sort of stuff changes not necessarily that the message changes it's that it's it's how you're communicating it through visually or digitally and and what you have correct yeah that's right i mean look we all know that digital communication has changed the way we all communicate um, and it's certainly made short form even more important, though truthfully, that's always been important, <laughs> even long before, you know, when people were reading, we did a print ad, which we, you know, people still do, you know, creating a full page of text never simply worked pretty well. Visuals always work stronger. Um, the other big evolution, of course, particularly in the digital world, is that, you know, it went from a text to pictures do better, that now motion does better because, and there's a real science behind motion. I mean, the whole point of motion is that it draws the eyes to certain things. And, you know, even when you're showing somebody something infographically and there's motion in there, you know, done correctly, you take someone from one thing to another, you highlight something that you want them to see and the memorability increases. Um, and that's, you know, that's that's sort of the, the, the key formula. Do you work with, do you work in, in uh, being an expert strategist uh, with, with a company that can pretty much do everything. Um, it's a little bit of a white glove service like concierge a little bit that you can handle a lot of different stuff for them. Um, are you also involved in uh, strategy to for target audiences or are mainly your clients more saying, look, I mean, we might have a targeted niche, but we want everybody of that targeted niche all across um, the world to kind of know or do you ever work with people, you know, specifically hyper-targeted locally that kind of thing at all? Yeah, I mean, um, audience targeting is absolutely part of what the brand foundation is all about. In fact, a lot of times, you know, it's not usually just demographic. In fact, part of our uh, our plan really starts with what we call emotional and functional drivers, which are sort of those 
overarching things, the way people feel or way they do, that influences your whoever your target audience is. And then interestingly, you know, inside of the target audience, uh, you know, like, you know, I said it's not just demographic. The psychographic elements are pretty important. Here's a perfect example. Um, we've done a lot of work, continue to do a lot of work in the sustainability field. And, you know, there is a sort of a range on how people feel about sustainable products. You know, there are people who are what we call advocates who will buy anything because it's sustainable, no matter how to, what it costs or what it does. There are the biggest group in the middle, which are we call the green leaners. And those are people who want to be sustainable, but it has to have all the right elements they expect from something that isn't to do it. Um, and then there's the apathetics who basically say, hey, it's nice if sustainable, but uh, that's kind of a closer. It doesn't matter to me that much. And so different kind of things like that will also build into the targeting. Um, and again, that's again, we, we create those on single pages. And um, again, they become a primer for any, any work you do. So when you're ultimately creating uh, your communication and we do a thing we call the your communication code, which is what are the words in your vocabulary that you use regularly? Um, that have a particular meaning for you. We think about how those words will have an impact on the audience that you're trying to reach. You know, and a lot of times you're not, you don't have the ability to talk to just one particular uh, constituent. Uh, sometimes you do, depending on how big they are. So uh, you have to understand that certain things have to have the right meaning, even if it's in a different nuance for different audiences. What I think is, what I think is pretty interesting, and I'd love to know your take on this. You're the perfect guy to ask. It seems like the hot new thing in the last, let's say, five years has been to be a social media brand strategist or I'm a media marketinger or I'm a brand boutique, what, whatever. And, I mean, you have people who have had no real experience in this field who are popping up opening these uh, companies and they can gain traction um, and people with really no prior expertise um, – and I think it might have to do with the fact that there's just more avenues right now to post something and call yourself a marketer, you know, or whatever it is. What is, what's your opinion on that? There seems to be a lot more than maybe there ever was. Um, and is it a good thing for the industry or maybe not a good thing? And what's your opinion on that? So I have a pretty specific opinion about social okay. media. And, and honestly, this goes back quite a ways, but it's still very relevant today is that, you know, each social media platform has a different kind of engagement. And so you should use it in different ways, not just different audiences. So for instance, Facebook is really about people, right? You follow people. You might follow brands, but it's really about people. It's a community-based platform. Um, and yes, it's not as young in terms of an audience as it used to be, although you still have sort of everybody on it, but you really have to be focused on, it's more of a community personal engagement. Yeah. You go to something like um, Instagram or Pinterest, they're interest-based. So you're really searching there based off of interests, you know, not necessarily by people. You might have people, but even people you're gonna follow there are usually involved in certain areas, okay? It's not a general thing. And so you really focus your communication that way. Then you get to a platform like Twitter, it's about news. It's topical. People are, are, are searching by topic. You know, it might be interesting, but it's very much about topic ability. A lot of people, frankly, use Twitter that shouldn't be, because frankly, people are not really following uh, Twitter to find out things that's not topical. You know, right. if it's not topical, you know, you're not going to get much of an audience. Right. Um, and then, you know, LinkedIn is, you know, grown again, is it for certain audiences being an important platform. Um, it is a little bit of a hybrid. It is interest, but it is also very definitely people. 
But if you're doing anything that requires a B2B audience, it's pretty important. You know, it's a pretty important place to be. And you will reach people you won't reach in other places or on any other social media platform. So at the end of the day, it's really not just saying check all the boxes, but be in the right boxes and then at the same time do it in the right way. It's not just simply saying, hey, I'm going to put this up in five different platforms. It's the same thing. It doesn't work. You know, it doesn't really, really work. But done correctly, you know, it, it can work beautifully, you know, right. if, if it's done correctly. What do you what do you think? About, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just said so a lot of times, again, as part of a, a communication strategy uh, for clients, we will build a social media strategy. And that will not only include where they should be, um, but also how they should communicate. And you know, under under that, you know, what are your story arcs? Story arcs are very important when you come to social media. You know, if you're a regular poster, you should have people expect to see certain things certain days. It's the old, you know, throwback Thursday, whatever it happens to be. You, you know, having some regularity there is important, and also not just simply being randomly a one-off. You know. It's totally fine to talk about a certain area of what you're doing, you know, over a period of time and then switch it. Does it does it concern you at all that there's so many marketing brand strategists, anybody out there that I mean, literally like you could page after page and ad after ad of somebody selling you something about I'll take over all your social media. I'm a brand strategist. I've done whatever, whatever that you're like, well, who do I what who do I use? Who do I pick? And it sounds, and it seems like at the, at the very, very high end level, at the corporate level, for the big, the big players, there's the top people that have been around and they're trusted, and corporate companies are not going to outlay that kind of money for some newbie. But does it concern you at all that there's so many people in that space now that it kind of saturates the water because everybody's doing what everybody else is kind of doing, but maybe not at the level that you would? Does that, does that, does that concern at all for what, what you try to do? Well, for starters, I would say, you know, 99% of our business is built on referral. So, um, and referral is the strongest way you can get any kind of business. And referral, by the way, is sometimes a direct referral, sometimes a second-hand referral, that sort of thing. And so for anybody doing anything, that's absolutely the way to build sure. your business, you know, versus trying to do it cold. Right. But you know, the other part is that, that, you know, it's also good to know what you do and know what you don't do. Right, right. You know? And, and and that's you know something my grandfather taught me. But you know it's a perfect example. Um, if somebody's looking to do something that involves a lot, a high level of media, you know media buying and media planning, we don't do that. Okay, uh, we work creatively with with groups like that and and create content. But we we are we are not media buyers and planners. If it's very small, anybody can do it. But if it's at any level, we always say you know. We have partners, but also we work with other partners that that, that clients have. Yeah. Um, the same thing would hold true if you said, uh, "I need public relations." We're not a public relations agency. We work with them. It's not what, what our expertise is. The interesting thing that I've sort of witnessed in the social media area is that, particularly, even a lot of the bigger social media companies are really good again at the planning and buying and executing that part. Not so good on the creative. Mm. Um, it's not just where they start from. They they do it, but they're not they're not great at it. So and uh, and that's again where creative agencies like ours uh, will come in is to bring that into a into a better place um, and recognize that again they do things we don't do as well. You know, from an optimization standpoint. Right. So again, that's again I literally tell that clients every day. You know, I I always want to do what I say we do versus we could do that. 
but you know we don't really do it as a core competency we shouldn't we shouldn't got it so you you want to i mean the creative agency that you started and that is evolving and is growing and has become so big and so popular and the top on the market um it there seems to be like the creative side and then there's the logistic or analytical side of it right there's the where does it go how does it go the the x's and o's and then there's the fun creative so i call it fun creative side where do you i mean maybe it's where you started maybe where you lean to but did you have did you love both aspects or were you like i really love this but to design this business i have to get into the other side of this so i i actually did come in up from both ends because i do again a pretty develop right brain and left brain. But as you know, a lot of people saying it's true, the two are very intermeshed. Yeah. So you can't do really, you will drive yourself crazy trying to do creative without a, uh, a guide lane, right? right? Without a strategy, without a way to get started. You know, we we don't even do a brand identity job here uh, without having some backbone. In fact, a lot of times when someone comes to us and say, we need to do a brand identity, um, we'll, we'll say, do you have a brand foundation, you know? Yeah. And if they do, great, you know, we'll work with that. If not, we'll create one with them because that actually really facilitates the uh, the creative process. Because then you have a starting point. You know, then you have a way to say, so what does this need to do? And when I'm creating for you, I want to talk to you in the language of your brand foundation. So then we're talking the same language. If not, right. you get into the tactical battle of saying, oh, I wish it was red and not knowing why they want it to be red or, whatever it happens to be, you know, and that also works in context of who you are competing with, you know, so, you know, how do you want to look the same or different than other people in your competitive realm? Um, and that's important. Sometimes you want to look very close because you want to be in the club. And other times you want to look distinctly different because you want to break out from the club. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, bring being building a brand is and building and having brand real estate or brand equity that's built up, whether it's corporate or an individual, the first step, what would you say the first step to doing that is? I mean, there's all the fun stuff, which is shooting and recording and the posting and everything like that. What's the first step, whether I own a company or I'm an individual and want to build my own brand, what's the first thing that you do with clients? back to the same thing, really identifying, you know, who you are, who you want to reach and what makes you who you are, you know, and it's not, again, we always say what makes you different. It isn't always about what makes you different. Sometimes you want to be, there is the, you know, starting point. Everyone needs to be this in this category, check those boxes. Yep. And then obviously then you want to do the, I'm this and this It's the one plus one equals three that makes me, you know, a better or different than everything else. Um, and, you know, again, it's, it's also really understanding to what your audience wants out of what you're delivering. You know, what is, again, that ultimate, now what are your features, what are your benefits? What are the things that you really deliver for you? You know, a perfect example, it, to be on a distinct end, we're working right now with a little guy who's become a huge hit on Amazon who has reinvented the butter dish. It's called Butter Hub. And he literally, he and his wife said, Hey, you know, we always are frustrated because our butter dish does this, right? So he came up with some ways to make it different, got a couple little patents, and he's now selling a bazillion on Amazon. Um, and where we're helping him is to like 
So he's got a great product. He just doesn't know how to show it. I mean, and actually he's still sold a lot, but we're, we're helping him to, to take it even to another level. Because even some of the things that he delivers, he doesn't really communicate uh, terribly well in the way he's, you know, visualizing him and things like that. Um, you know, in other instances, you know, like in this, you know, other, like I said, we're working with a beauty company who's uh, really, really stepping out in the sustainability area. There are certain things we know that the beauty customer um, is going to expect. So they got to check all those boxes, right, first. And then we have to say, so where's the crossover for being, yeah, it, it does all those things, but it's also sustainable. And by the way, being sustainable, there's certain things that are going to be different, right, than you expect. So are those okay? And right. so it's really understanding those and in a really clear, uh, clear way and making sure your audience, you know, buys into those. So we talk in, in my company, we talk a lot about red water, blue water. Um, you know, there's, you know, and for people who don't understand or don't know, you know, red water is a space or a niche that there is a ton of competition in, you know, the, 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 and blue water is it's open. It's never been done before. So if you think about like, uh, you know, like a piece of exercise equipment is a good, like the first time a piece of exercise equipment or, or, uh, uh, something like that comes out, it's blue water, it hasn't ever been done. And then there's like that. And then somebody else has that and somebody else has that and somebody and then it becomes already done. Um, and when you have a product or a brand that's sitting in a lot of red water with a ton of competition, cars are a lot of like that's in space, right car products. Um, there's a push now and I, I mean, again, you're the expert, I just want to know your interest on this. So there's a push now for attention at all costs, even if it's controversial, even if it's being a disruptor, is now good. And do you ever go down that route or or, or think about how you would take a brand and say, hey, listen, we need to disrupt um, and we need to probably get into some blue water here with some of our marketing like that? Is that ever a conversation? So, again, I think... You know, they always say uh, uh, no exposure is bad exposure, but that's not necessarily true. You know, brands disruption is a word that is sort of overused in the marketing world. And the, the reality is sometimes that's a good thing. And you remind people who you are or, or let them know who you are for the first time. And if it isn't still live within your brand promise of what you are, then it's kind of wasted. You know, because you say, oh, we're going to be uh, all gangster and, blah, 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 and this, but it's not who we are, then. Right, you created some attention, you're different, but are you delivering against that promise? Mm. You know, really, the brands that, and again, a lot of times, look at people react emotionally. You know, you talk about, again, in the automotive world, you know, why is Jeep still such a great selling brand? It's a very bare bones brand. You're paying a lot of money for a pretty basic vehicle, but there's a brand mythology and a story and a, an essence behind the brand that's why people buy it, you know? And other people can make one that looks almost exactly the same and they'll say, ah, oh, but it's not a Jeep, you know, because Jeep has that brand, you know, mystique and mythology, which is frankly the most one of the most valuable things they have. In fact, the thing called goodwill is one of the biggest things on a lot of brands, balance sheet, big brands, because that goodwill or brand equity is what carries them a long, long way. Um, and, and again, if you are completely just a functional brand where it's just based on what you make, and you make it well. You become a commodity so you do have to figure a way to how to get that brand mystique and sometimes it's just trust doesn't mean you have to be fancy people just say i really really trust this brand then that's brand equity you know even if it's not because it's the cool brand it's a brand that i trust 
So, you know, another good example, we work with uh, the biggest sewing company in the world, Singer. And Singer's, again, a brand with huge brand equity, okay? Because people know and trust the brand. And it is sort of the, the, the go-to brand uh, for, you know, really entry-level and basic-level uh, kinds of sewing all over the world. And so that's what they're known for. You know, can they be a super high-end premium brand? Probably not. That's not who they are, okay? And trust me, they've tried it. <laughs> and it doesn't always work because that's not what people expect. But it still means that they're, they're a starting point that people will expect if they're in the right place in the market. In the early days of your career, before you were who you are now, before you were as established as you were when you first started, and you started off, um, let's say, in the early days of the visual brand, um, what was the branding and marketing like for your own company in the very beginning? Did you do that or was it just, hey, referral off the top and that's the only way that we did it right from the beginning? So the visual brand was my sequel of my first company, which was called Seesaw and it was in New York City. So honestly, we built off a lot of the same formula there, although continuing to learn. Um, but but reality is for, for both companies, it was really a not being saying we do one kind of business. We, that was something we held from the beginning because we realized that that was actually both limiting and also um, and other companies do it really, really well. Saying we're a healthcare, you know, you know, provide, you know, agency, or we're of this kind of agency. So we decided not to do that. But then it really is this sort of this whole idea of the the right brain and the left brain coming together. Um, and and truthfully, in a smaller um, agency like we are, it's not always common that you really do both at a high level. And that's something we've talked about a lot, a lot of as well is that we we don't just do one or the other. I mean, there are a lot of companies that just do one or the other. God bless them, that's what they do. And there are a lot of companies that talk about doing both, but don't really, they do one or the right. other particularly well. So, um, you know, and again, it's back to saying, even within that, what do we do and not do? And as long as we're really clear, it works. Yeah. Do you remember your, uh, do you remember your first client, whether it was even at Seesaw? Uh, yeah, funny enough, yeah. So I actually ended up in, starting my own company because I led a couple uh, mid-sized companies before and I realized I was doing, why was I doing this for somebody else? So literally uh, the last one I worked for, I literally finally said, I, I, I can't do this anymore. And I walked out the door and, and uh, hired a guy that actually um, had decided not to work for me at this company because he wanted to do something on his own. And um, actually our very first client actually was Singer and it was because, you know, I knew some private equity people who said, hey, we just bought this brand in distress and, you know, kind of need to figure out where forward. We know it's got a lot of brand presence, but it's in shambles. And and so that's where we started, you know. And uh, the same thing when I started uh, the visual brand, um, I'd sold Seesaw. I worked somewhere else for a little bit of time and again, quickly found out that I didn't really want to work for someone else. And I kind of same thing, walked out and uh, uh, had a couple people that, um, you know, to work with pretty much right away. But again, it was based on referral people that I knew that, that said, great. Yep. Love to do some work with you. Uh, and then it's a building process. But um, again, that's, you know, really even, you know, as a mostly creative guy, uh, I use LinkedIn a lot. LinkedIn is a really great tool and it's really it's much again in keeping in touch with people. Because I find a lot, just even real simple ways of staying in touch with people there, 
um, periodically. You stay top of mind, and then when something comes up, they remember you. You know, and doesn't mean you're sending them an email every month. You're not. You know, sometimes it could be once a year, or it could be even less frequently. But uh, keeping in touch, even as, as people do things differently or changing, they've moved, they've moved jobs, whatever. You know, sometimes that's a simple way just to be in touch with people um, to keep a top of mind presence. And even there, when someone does, you don't say, "Hey, you moved to a new place. Here, let's let's talk. Let's get let's start doing work together." Yeah, it's just you know remembering your your former relationship and you know just so you're there uh, when they need when you when they need you, basically. There's so many small businesses out there that that the, their mom and pops, um, even some larger mom and pops who have established businesses that are so good uh, at the um, day-to-day operations. They're good at whatever it is that they do, and that's how they became really good. But they don't they don't understand or they don't know brand awareness or brand creativity. Um, what would you what would you say to those companies that they should reach out to a company like yourself or do most companies or smaller mom and pops can they do a lot of this stuff on their own? You know, it depends on the size of the company. Yeah, and like I said, there's certainly a um, although we do work with smaller companies, there's a uh, let's say a lower limit that it doesn't not worth their time, or it actually they couldn't even afford what we would do at that level, and it, it's not they can't afford it. But the reality is that again, we uh, you know actually I. Some of my other hats, I'm pretty involved in uh, my town and uh, the downtown area and things like that in a couple different roles. Um, it's not just sitting and waiting for people to walk in the door or ask for your services. So even even for us, even though referral is important, you can't just wait to be referred, right? right. You got to do something to reach out. Um, and again, reaching out in a somewhat of a networked or referral way is the best way to do it, you know? Um, because again, you you know you go to stores, say, oh, we don't have anybody walking in the door. Well, what are you doing to get them to walk in the door? Right. <laughs> you right. know, it isn't just necessarily, hey, I post on Facebook every day. That isn't necessarily it. So it just figure out, you know, again, once again, who is your audience going to be, and then how do you work on referral? You know, the old classic too of like, you know, co-oping with other people makes sense too. Look at it. a lot of businesses have been very successful. Could say. Hey, this is sort of related business, but we're different. Can we co-market? You know, can we market to each other's audiences and refer each other to each other? That's a really powerful way of doing it. B two B business. Yeah, great. Like, this is great. Excellent. Um, so, 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 just kind of going down this path. Bring lead with value, right? Bring just value, selflessness in the beginning. Um, that can be informational. It could be something else and business to business, working with other businesses to either, you know, for example, if that business is heavy in that charity work, if you're getting involved and bring another avenue of charity work or whatever it is, um, and continuing that out in, in your expert opinion, having done that, uh, or, or having been all these years in the space, um, the, the number one thing that a small business owner or somebody who's in a service oriented, whether it's real estate, mortgages, any just service oriented business, putting necessarily your face on a billboard um, as opposed to, or putting it in a magazine with come work with me, I do such and such and such is probably going to be secondary to what? what, what would be a better use of someone's funds or times if they wanted to be strategic? Um, it's it's well, especially when you're talking about the fields you're talking about, Michael. 
it is very a personal business. So it's back to the referral. Way more important to work on referrals. And referrals can be anybody you know. It could be people that you know that will say, hey, I know and trust this person. They should work with this person. You know, and again, honestly, even in there, it's nice to say, so what have you done? You know, how, how have you been successful? You know, I find a lot of times even in, in, in these fields saying, hey, they've successfully marketed and sold this. They've successfully done X. I've done X amount of deals, whatever. That's not an unimportant, you know. But at the end of the day, you know, working more on, you know, having somebody say, hey, you should work with this is the most important thing to do. So it's, you know, it's having the right way to connect with people and network with people. Um, and again, to gain referrals. And again, referrals can come in the funniest ways. It could be, you know, you know, your the parents at your kid's preschool, you know, that know other people. It could be, you know, the golf club you go to. Whatever it happens to be, you there's lots of ways to uh, uh, to create that referral network. And I think the really successful people there do that, you know. So it's interesting. You you have this unbelievable business that you have built where you take somebody's brand and you create it where you market it outwardly and go to the people that they want to focus in on and you're successful at getting that message across when what you really do is you do such a great customer customer experience for your own customers and they're so happy with your success that it's really that where you focus on that you get your business it's not even the outward marketing so you take your companies and your outwardly market but really you are successful because of the inside work that's exactly right. You know, we're, you know, not, we're very, our referral network really often is not just people who, you know, refer people in their own company or move to a new place. It's them referring us to somebody else. But say, mm -hmm. I've had a good experience with them. Uh, you should consider them. And I tell you, that works all the time, you know. And the other way, again, even for us, we have gained business from partners who have just relationships. You know, they're not even related saying, hey, you know what, I I know somebody and, you know, I, I'd like to refer some people to you uh, because they're, we're in a totally different field. And that's also really works as well. But that personal referral, there's nothing more important. It's, why do you think that, um, say, a, a real, I guess you use a real estate agent, right, mortgage broker, um, these, these type of things. Why do you think that they still have this, I want to be on a park bench, I want to be on a magazine, I want to be on a billboard, I got to have my face on the business cards, I got to be on the sign. It's crazy to me still that there's people's pictures on signs like this and and they market like if they were being marketed as a hoodie for Nike. You know, like, why do you think that is? Well, just like you said, it's the old top of mind awareness. You know, when, when someone says, oh, I'm going to sell my house or that, Oh, I've seen this guy and maybe I should call him. But then you're making a pretty big leap. They don't know you. They've seen your face. They'll recognize you on the street. But uh, honestly, obviously, some people have been successful with that. But I think that on the other hand, uh, the people that are more successful do it in a different way. You know, and again, just where you focus your time and your energy and your money. You know, you know, if I were to say, should I buy, you know, a billboard versus join some right clubs, I join the clubs. Right. <laughs> I spend the money on that area and, and make that part of part of what I do. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that right here. I mean, what we're talking about right now, I think for anybody in the service businesses that are that are listening and going to listen to this podcast, you're hearing it. 
from a professional, you know, brand marketer strategist who's saying in these businesses, this is trust people business. So just because you, and yeah, there's nothing wrong with putting out um, a YouTube video. There's nothing wrong with doing all the social media, but don't make that big assumption that just because you're the most seen means that you're going to be the most used. That's right. And look at the, there's no doubt that um, testimonials aren't a good thing, you know? So, uh, you know, we have certainly clients in the service business that that's, <coughs> excuse me, incredibly powerful because people do, uh, you talk to any uh, customers, they say, I want to hear what other people say, you know, and that's still really, really powerful. In fact, interesting thing that, you know, is a real positive thing is that when you, it's, it's a, really smart companies have put their customer service on social media so people can say i have had this issue with this and then they solve it on social media okay mm -hmm. and then that's like wow not only it's it, so people don't mind sometimes when there's an issue they just want to see a, a response and a resolution so mm -hmm. that can be a really powerful way of doing that um and also admitting saying hey i had a real challenge doing this but here's how we, we worked on it together um, and certainly, you know, in, in the, you know, the real estate business, people also want to know, do you sell the kinds of things like I'm trying to sell, you know, you know, is this something that, that you do? And so knowing what you've worked on is, is important as well. Some people have the budgets to be able to do it all right there. I can do the billboard and I can do the magazine and I can do podcasts and I can do Instagram and I can join the golf club for $60,000 a year. But for the majority, for the 99% of real estate brokers and 86% of all real estate agents quit in their first year or mortgage or whatever those businesses are, that small lawnmower gear guy or plumber, electrician or whatever, um, they don't have the funds to be able to do all that stuff. And it's so interesting that w I think we get caught up in what, what we think other people are going to see and think about us instead of necessarily what you're talking about, which is 100% client focused, do a good job and make sure you're staying in the networks of people that you need to. And then you can provide the service outwardly to them, just like you provide the service to your clients where they need outwardly, because a lot of them have product. They have, to, they have to market a product. They're not necessarily marketing themselves. So marketing yourself and marketing products are different, correct? Yep. And again, your, your most powerful sales tool is someone you've had a good experience with from a business standpoint, okay. whoever that is, you know, you're a plumber, you've had good success. That is a great tool. Yeah. And look at, I won't say that certainly, you know, there has been some success that people have done the way they've provided incentive, incentive to people to refer. Great. It's, it's like giving, I've given referral fees to people who brought us business. Nothing wrong with that. Okay, and yes, sometimes people will do it for the money, but truthfully, that's still a part, and it made it motivates them to do it. Um, the old, you know, you know, Amazon still spends a huge amount of effort on reviews, right? Because people look at reviews, okay. But once again, there the formula isn't all getting perfect reviews. Sometimes, when it is a perfect review, how has the company responded to it? And that will be as important as the, the review itself. Got it. So out of all these years that you've been an expert in this business and many more to come, what would you say your biggest lesson or biggest thing that you've learned from when you started Seesaw to sold it to then go work to someplace else and started your own company again? You basically did it again. Uh, what, what's the biggest thing that you've learned over all these years? So probably the most important lesson 
uh, and this is sort of an overall life term for me, is look at running your own business is tough. It's got its its challenges. You know, I have to do all sorts of things that I was never trained to do. I'm not an accountant. I'm not even really a salesperson uh, and lots of other things. And you have to wear many hats. But it's always having the, you know, drive to move forward, to keep moving forward, even through when it's difficult. It's not just to get frozen and go, oh, my God, what do I do? You know, we'll all do that for a second. But you got to figure out, all right, so what do I need to do? What do I do next? How do I resolve this? You know, this last year obviously was challenging for all of us for lots of things. But, you know, and like I said, there were, you know, I actually classified as three kinds of people. There are people just really hibernated and put their head under the covers and said to me, wait till it's over. Yeah. The really smart people said, okay, so what do I do with this today? And then more importantly, what are, what are the things that are changing out of this that I can take advantage of? You know, that now, hey, people have different attitudes, different things. So how is that a good thing? You know, how do I do it differently? So that moving forward is really the most important thing I've, I've learned. Yeah, just keep, you know, it's not put your head down and hide. It's more put your head down and keep going. And, but, but evolve. Yeah, you, know, you can only knock against the wall. It doesn't mean you stop going forward. Just there might be another way around that wall, you know. And so, yeah, go ahead. I'm just going to say, just you said, the evolved word is important. You know, it's not like I've always done it this way. So constantly questioning, you know, not second guessing yourself, but being very open to learning new ways of doing this, doing that thing again is important. Uh, because if we, we're not, in fact, it's the thing I like best about my best employees that they're always learning. They're not just simply saying, oh, I'm good at this. I'll do it the same way every time. I love it when an employee says, you know, I learned a new way to do this. Okay. That's fantastic. So you heard it here, folks, from the best in the biz. If you are a, uh, in the service business and you like to promote yourself and you're your own brand and you want to get that out there, take care of the people that you need to take care of first in their life and solve their problems before you want to put yourself on a billboard and stand next to the Ferrari or whatever it is. And I think everybody out here in what, well, even if not service business or product business, um, going to your website and kind of seeing what you've actually created some of your marketing pieces, I think is really awesome to see because you are so good at what you do. And what I really love about the work that you've been able to create is I don't see one piece that you've ever done where it didn't evoke emotion in some form. It's either one way or the other, excitement or something. And I think that is so cool. And it's so interesting as a creative guy who loves that element. I also love how strategic you were about some of that stuff and how it works and where it goes. So I'm just a huge fan. And I cannot thank you enough, Randy, for being on even the, the stuff and the amount of time you've given me off the show just to talk about my own my own stuff is invaluable. Uh, majority of people who are can, can go to your website, thevisualbrand.com. Is there any other marketing material, things they can learn, pick up from you if they just want to soak in some more stuff or see more things? Um, well, there certainly are. <laughs> uh, we didn't even get into – I. Uh... Uh, if you actually uh, Google me, that I wrote a Forbes article a couple of years ago that'll become a book around what I've called the creative thinking DNA. Uh, that is actually a lecture on it as well. It's at colleges, but uh, 
it's it's not just about being a creative, but a way to work with other people. So there, there's lots of other things that uh, I certainly uh, I try to do with my time. So you said there was a book. Uh, it, it 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 may eventually be a book. Yeah. Okay. As well, I, I I feel like it. Uh, sometimes I think people write books on around an idea that don't really deserve to be a whole book. Got so it. I decided to write an article for now, and that's it's 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 it, it's it, you can get enough out of it in an article. So I'm not sure it'll ever be a book. Where can we find the article? It's so if you it's called uh, your creative thinking DNA. If you just Google that, you'll probably come up with it. it was a Forbes article I wrote a couple of years ago. Creative thinking DNA. Uh, we can we can post a link to that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, please. And what what else? Any anything else? Um, wow. Well, uh, actually, actually, one other thing I should mention: I did my COVID project was I started a blog called mymovingforward.com. Okay. Uh, it's it's sort of that sort of a whole attitude. Uh, uh, that's another whole story. It took on a life of its own in social media, and I. It's quite big on a couple of platforms, kind of just out of the blue. Uh, but again, it's my sort of weekly little, uh, it's again, two sentences long in a visual. That's how we always do it. Uh, but it's sort of been my tool uh, to, you know, have a stoic point of view and move forward. I think in, in these times, we're consuming data differently. We're consuming content differently. And the, the blog world, I was watching the QAnon thing the other day. Just it was on like HBO. They're talking about that, and how many people were on these blogs and seeing it. It was just people were just obsessed with the very small amounts of information that were given out. But there's something about like what you're doing, which is just so impactful, and putting it out there. Like you can just do a small picture and 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 something meaningful, and it's it changes somebody's entire outlook for that day completely. And, and we That's need to my goal. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but keep so, but keeping it short and simple is important too. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, again, is there anything we that you, else that you want to talk about that we didn't well, we didn't bring up? I think this was a good coverage. <laughs> Bill, thank you. R really good questions. Well, thank you so much for being on, everybody, uh, and thank you for for listening. And uh, like always. Uh, get a hold of us through social media. We'll put all the links, all the attachments, everything on there. And everybody, be good, stay safe. Leading Lifestyle Agent and uh, Leaders of Lifestyle Podcast. Randy, thank you so much. Be well, be blessed, and uh, have a great day, everybody. Uh -huh.